On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Last ball of the day on day two of this test match. And a good session of play for the Australians. Can they finish it off? Australia take one wicket into the sheds tonight. That is the perfect finish for Australia. And who else but Pat Cummins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, and in this edition of the podcast, we're going to wrap up the Women's Big Bash League final. But first, I've got Pete Lawler on the phone from the Australian. Australia have won a test match, Pete. You must be thrilled. (laughs) Hey, it was a good day for Australian cricket. We watched the uh, Women's Big Bash final at the ground, at the Gabba. It was on the big screen before play. And then tuned in to Australia winning. Yeah, really good. I mean, they've won. They they beat India in a test earlier this summer, didn't they? And but we quickly forgot that because they fell away. But this was a heartening win on a number of levels. I mean, you don't want to get too carried away with beating Sri Lanka at the Gabba. But the way some of those young young cricketers uh, played fills me with a little bit of optimism. I mean, Marnus Labuschagne. I'm signing up to the fan club. Uh, Jai Richardson, outstanding. Travis Head did well. Marcus Harris continues to look good. So. Yeah, lot to like about that test match, Andrew. Yeah, well, let's go back to the beginning before it even started and the the team that was selected. I mean, we had Will Bukowski come into this squad and then not get selected and they brought in Curtis Patterson from outside the squad. I mean, Shane Warne and Ian Chappell in particular have been very critical about not giving Bukowski a go. What do you think about his omission at the last minute? Well, yeah, it was tough. On Will Pekowski, I don't think you could criticise them for being flexible with regards to Curtis Patterson. They have said all along, we want players to make hundreds. Curtis Patterson made 160, admittedly, just in grade cricket. Then the following weekend, when he got the chance for Australia A, he made back-to-back centuries, and he wasn't and he wasn't out in all three of those innings. So a bloke who makes 300s in seven or eight days deserves a chance. And, I mean, he's got a reasonable first-class record. It's as good as anybody's. Um, it was bad luck for Will Pukowski. I mean, I kind of think they missed a chance. I think, as cruel as it is, maybe they could have played him instead of Burns. But Burns deserved his place in the side, and it's just a romantic in me wanting to see Pukowski play. And particularly because if he doesn't play in Canberra, he won't qualify to play in the county season this year. Yeah, I just counter to that, though. I mean, I had Crash on last show, and I've heard this before. You know, KP Curtis Patterson wasn't selected in the squad, so he might have gone into that CA11 game feeling under less pressure than Renshaw, Burns, and Pekovsky because he wasn't in the squad. So he's thinking, I'm just, you know, batting here and I'll do my best. It doesn't really matter. Whereas the other players had the, the pressure of being in the test squad and knowing they were sort of having a shootout. So I just think it's more inconsistency from the selectors. Oh, yeah, but... 
but he made three centuries and he and he and he wasn't out in any of the innings. So you can um and ah about it, but that's what they've asked people to do. So who, who else? Uh, who, I mean, and I don't think it didn't cost Labuschagne his place. It didn't cost Burns his place. Who else was it played in that A game? Did Head play in that as well? No, but I think yeah, no, no he didn't. Pekowski. So the only person who missed out is Pekowski, really, and uh, a Patterson. Patterson deserved his chance ahead of Pekowski in my mind, and Patterson batted well. He, uh, I mean, he only made thirty, but he was batting with a tail, and, and I think there's an indication later that they were even looking at a declaration around that point. So that's why he started bashing it all over the place. But he looked good and uh, fantastic catch. I mean, right up there, I think. I don't know, do you reckon that was as good as the one that Kawaja took to get rid of Doni in Adelaide? Yeah, it looked better. It looked seemed, better, it, but... Yeah, small margin on that one. Curtis he Patterson... He had more reaction time than Usman. That's true. So, no, look, I'm not unhappy with what they did. I, I, I'm giving them a tick for that one, and it, it all paid off, didn't it? Yeah, I really like Patterson, and he was the first interview I did for Cricket Unfiltered. And um, he's a very intelligent, insightful young man who has gone through the ups and downs in the first-class system and seems to be at a good point in his career. And we saw him play the swinging ball. He had a technique for it. He went back in his crease, and he tried to play the swing late. So at least he sort of got his game together. Yeah, yeah. You never forget your first time, do you, Andrew? So <laughs> it will always be special to you. Um, no, it was good. Good to see. And, he, and he, yeah, he's, he's a genuinely good fellow too. So now, now, what is it that you like about Marnus Lobashane? Because I do like him, but he kind of, to me, sort of typifies the Langer era. He sort of trudges out there. He's got all the company lines. You know, if you took him to a Scientology place, he'd probably get into that as well. He just seems, I don't know. What do you like about him? 81 runs. The fact that every time he goes out to bat, he looks like a test batsman. The fact that he took 25 balls or something like that to get off the mark and didn't get flustered about that, as he, as a lot of very experienced batsmen do. The fact that he leads really well. The fact that his footwork is really neat and accomplished and economical. The fact that he is a traditional batsman. I, I think he's in that mould of... You know, he, as opposed to a head whose scoring area is a square of the wicket and therefore um, a little more risky, he's a low-risk batsman. And he's done well in every test he played. He could have done better, no doubt, but this is early in his career. And that 80, that's a ripper on that track. They, they bowled reasonably well to him. They've got a lot to like about it. He's a great fielder. I mean, look, you know, he got that run out in his first test. He took those catches, took three catches in the slips. He, he brings an energy to the group that has been lacking. I mean, Warner brings an energy to the group with the way he goes about his fielding and, he, and, and with his mouth. Uh, Ricky Ponting used to bring an energy to the cricket. I, I loved Australian cricket when you had blokes like Ponting and Simons and even Michael Clark when he was a young bloke in front of the batsman's eyes, roaming, looking for run-outs, looking for wickets. And Pekowski's that sort of kid. He's always looking to be in the game. He wants to be part of it. You can see that. These are all the things that I like about him. Well, that's good. And he did play very well in partnership with Travis Head. And look, if, if Smith, when Smith and Warner come back, you know, if you have someone like Marnus at five or six, that makes the batting order look a bit more formidable rather than at three or four, where I think he's probably too high. Yeah, but I like the fact that he says, yeah, I, I, I understand that other batsmen were asked if they'd like to bat at three, and they said, no, no, I'd rather not. And he said, I'll do it. No drama. But there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, good. But he'll have his ups and downs very early in his career. Well, was that his fourth test, I think? Yeah, fourth. So, you 
it's going to be a bumpy road, and, and I've never, and it's very rare is the player that ever makes it without being dropped at some at least once in their career. So uh, watch that space on him. He's been dropped once already. Now uh, you wrote an interesting article last week saying that Australian cricket has resembled a reality television program in the past twelve months. And then you went through the selections. Aaron Finch came, then went. Sean Marsh and his brother Mitchell are gone. Marnus was in, then out, then he's in again. Hanscom was out, then in, then out, then in, and is now out. Joe Burns was in and out, looked in again, but he might be out again. Renshaw should have been in, but he was out. Now he's in, should have been out, and it goes on. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. It doesn't paint the best picture of the selectors, mate. No, it doesn't. No, they they have fumbled around this 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 year. I have some sympathy for them. I, they've made mistakes, but I have some sympathy for them because they've been let down by players, and not just the not just the hunches that they've taken. But I'm just I, I'm going to deal in the present because that's all we have, and not and I'd rather not look at the past and say that they they look like they're getting it right. The very fact that they they brought Joe Richardson in and he takes the five wickets. The fact that they've backed Marnus Labuschagne despite half the country screaming their heads off about the fact that he's been given a test match. I like where they are now. There's no doubt they probably they stuffed up with Finch. They stuffed up with Sean Marsh, who you kind of knew that was happening. I mean, you could un- you can understand why they're looking to have a few veterans in the group or a few blokes with test experience when there's none around. Uh, and so, they, But they were let down by Sean Marsh and they've been let down by Usman Kawaja as well. So, you know, it's not exactly the selector's fault when players aren't standing up or given the opportunity and not standing up. It is theirs when they stuff up, stuff up like they did on bench. No doubt about that. That was a mess. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they're probably under-resourced now as well. So Who, who's under? We do have sympathy. Who's under-resourced? Do you think? I think the selectors are. I don't. I don't know if they're getting the support they need now. Um, now, you know, yeah. with three form, yeah. yeah, with three formats and uh, all that's going on, I just wonder if they, the English have a better system, I think, set up now. So we need to do something like that. I mean, they were saying to me, Marcus Triscothic is a is a scout for the selectors in England, and you know, he's a current player playing county cricket, giving important feedback. Australia needs that kind of information in the system. You'd really like to think that the selectors were talking to all the state coaches, wouldn't you? Because that's very... You don't need a system, do you? You just need those people to have a chat no. every now and then. But even someone like John Hastings, who last year and the year before was playing, I mean, he'd be someone you could bounce a few things off. Yeah, sure, sure. But how much cricket does John Hastings see? Well, uh, but, but he would have practical experience, I guess, sure, playing with yeah. and against. Well, I reckon they'd probably, they'd probably get a fair bit of input, those selectors. It's probably too much because it's driving them crazy. <laughs> I hope they don't read the papers or listen to this podcast. <laughs> so the, the big story is uh, the hero of the Test match, Pat Superman Cummins. 10 for 62, 6 for 23 in the second innings. He's now taken over 90 wickets at an incredible average in his test career. Uh, he is uh, the hero that Australia's needed in this glum period. He sure is. Just at over 90 wickets. I, I've got a, uh, some stats in front of me about Pat Cummins, so I'm glad you brought him up. I think 54 career wickets. Uh, sorry, 54 wickets in the past 12 months at an average of 19.6. But here's the killer stat. He's played 19 tests. He's got 90 wickets at an average of 22. That's the best by an Australian bowler, by the reckoning of sweeter Dave Dave Brown. Thanks, Dave, for these numbers. Uh, So I go, he's played 19 tests, 90 wickets at 22. Dennis Lilly, at that point of his career, 
88 wickets at 23. Johnson, 86 at 28. McGrath, 78 at 27. He's got 12 more wickets than McGrath, and they're, they're costing five runs less per wicket. Lee, 77 at 25. Gillespie, 75. Warren, 75. He's really snuck up on us, Pat Cummins. I mean, we know he's good, but uh, he's proving outstanding. Has to have the new ball in Canberra. Yeah, he certainly does, and he seems to have just dropped his pace back slightly, but with that sacrifice has come greater accuracy and uh, just a great performance. I guess um, Jai Richardson on debut was impressive, uh, bowled with pace and movement. What I like about Richardson, and you might have noticed this when you've been in press conferences, is he has a certain intensity about him. Mm, I've only actually sat in, uh, first time I actually heard him speak was here. Yeah, you know, there in Brisbane, he he comes across as a little bit shy, and he's quiet in the group apparently, but he's quietly confident, and you can see that. You can see that. You know, here's here's a guy in his first test, given a new ball. That's a daunting task. You can sort of stiffen up. You can mess it up. He went about it like he's been doing it for years. You know, he bowled. He swung the ball both ways. He did just enough with it. But don't underestimate the amount of nervous tension. That, that you go through playing your first test. Do you remember when Hazelwood played his first test at the Gabba? He had to be carried off because he, he, he went into a sort of full-body cramps. He was so uptight, you know, he spent so much energy in, in that first day. So he was very cool, I thought, Richardson. Um, just, yeah, he's a good kid. A different, different type, very, very good. different type. Doesn't drink. Doesn't You're not going to accuse him of being sort of uh, from the church of Justin Langer, are you? I think he's not quite that type. No, no, but I just, I just, I've, I've been in a few press conferences with him and at big bash games and around the place, and he just strikes me as having a certain intensity to him about him, which I quite like. Does he go? Does he go all right in the big bash? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, for the Scorchers last year. I don't think he's played much this season. Okay, Mitchell Stark, though. I was talking to his uh, wife yesterday after the Big Bash final, and apparently Mitchell gets quite down when he's not bowling well. And this summer, his stats are, after the five tests this summer, 15 wickets at 36. But he did bring up his 200th test wicket in the Brisbane test. I guess he's at a bit of a crossroads, because if Hazelwood comes back, it's going to put real pressure on his spot. Well, I was hearing a lot of talk that he wasn't going to play in Brisbane and that they would have played fiddle. But when Hazelwood got injured, that changed their plan. So I think they were they were drifting towards having Hazelwood, fiddle and Cummins bowling in, in Brisbane. Hazelwood dropped out with the, with the back injury. That saved Stark to a degree. It's curious. I just... He's bowling really fast. He's possibly bowling too far. Well, we could be partially to blame with that. It could be the effect that being what so closely has. And but I just feel he's he's wanging bowling around himself, trying to get the ball to go as fast as possible. And so he's losing his seam position. I mean, that's a very amateur assessment of what's going on. But he generated some serious heat in Brisbane. But just luck was against him. And his lines weren't great. He's in a bad way. And, and I think, in a fun, funnily enough, he didn't get... They, they had that new ball when they started the last day. And he didn't get it back. It, it was taken off him very quickly. And it was given to Cummins the next morning. Those sorts of things knock his confidence. He's a confidence player to a degree, Starkey. He doesn't take criticism well and he doesn't take failure all that well. Uh, so I'm a bit worried about where he's at. 
But uh, I assume that they will give him another chance in Canberra. Yeah, I think he's just lacked rhythm all summer. Just never looked right. Tell you what, though, you're lacking rhythm. How do you bowl at 150 kilometres an hour? Yeah, look, it's not a natural action. So, but I guess that's why when it does look in rhythm and in sync and the timing and yeah he just looks out but hopefully he can pick it up it can change very quickly now i want to ask you about the reaction in the press box when marcus harris on 44 hit a wide long hop to the point fielder and cost himself possibly his maiden test century was it was there an audible groan in the press there's box? always audible groans in Spot in the uh, in the press box, but yeah, there certainly was a louder one when that happened. That was quite disappointing, wasn't it? Really felt that getting there, that Marcus Harris was in position to make himself some good runs in that innings, and he looked great to that point. Then he just flaked out. That happens in cricket; just not enough concentration. And these these young players, they haven't played a lot of first class cricket. They're not, you know, concentration's often an issue. And that's one of the things that uh, Patterson talked about, wasn't it, that, that about what he changed coming into this Sheffield Shield season, was that he needed to bat for longer periods. That's what's let him down in his first-class career. So he changed his training approach. He batted before training, he batted at training, and he batted after training to get used to batting for a long time because the only way to get used to batting for a long time is by batting for a long time. And uh, that was one of his flaws. And, yeah, Harris just... I don't know what he was thinking when he did that one. No, but we saw there the the description of that Langer gave him when he left WA come to life. What was it? Flashes of brilliance, but mainly mediocre. So yeah, well, that, that was something a, like that, that was a mediocre flash outside off stump, wasn't it? And it was well, it wasn't even a yeah. flash. He just pushed it, pushed it to the fielder. Yeah, it was meek. Anyway, I like him though. I, I like. I, he looks good when he is batting just got to iron those things out of his game a little bit. Yeah, but I was having this discussion at the WBBL mm. with somebody that history is littered with loads of batsmen that look good for 30 or 40 runs, but it's the, the precious few that have the the whole mental game and physical game can put it all together and make big test scores. I mean, you could list hundreds of batsmen that can make pretty 30s and 40s. But, you know, when Steve Wall put half his shots away, he made, you know, another 30 test hundreds. That's the reality of cricket, though, isn't it? The majority of bats from make 30s to 40s and a handful consistently make centuries. But it's only a handful. You know, if you, you rarely have a team full of blokes who are all who are regular century scorers. How was Payne, Tim Payne, after the test match? Measured. Measured as he always is. And um, decent, too. So I said, oh, look, yeah. He almost expressed sympathy for the Sri Lankans having to play a test at the Gabba. He said, everyone in Australian cricket who is, doesn't come to, to the Gabba has trouble. It's a difficult place to play, even for Australians. So for the Sri Lankans, it's a really difficult place to play. So he said, you know, they'll be more competitive and more comfortable in Canberra. Somebody said to him, and this trope's been going around all summer, among all the former players and stuff, that, well, wouldn't you have liked to have got India on that on, on that pitch? And he said, well, I tell you what, I wouldn't have liked to have faced the Indian fast bowlers on that deck. And it was a really good point. Boomer and those guys were mm, great, great havoc on the, with the bounce. Exactly. Together. Oh, that's good. Um, now, there's been a change to the squad for the second test, and this is where I want to end our discussion. Marcus Stoinis has been added to the squad for Canberra. Matt Renshaw's been let go. Uh, what the hell is Stoinis doing there? I mean, we've just thrashed Sri Lanka. I mean, unless they're going to drop someone like Kawaja, there's no one they can drop. I mean, what, are they just... 
picking him for, I don't know, what are, what are they picking him for, Pete? Well, I'm kind of with you on this one, but I'll try and answer the question. I, I guess they're picking him to give themselves the option of an all-rounder in Canberra should they need one. I can't see how they get him into the side, but... Good luck to them if they want that option. I mean, it's probably just confuse, they, they're probably just going to confuse themselves. I think they've been overthinking things all some other sectors. What I think significant about he, him coming into the squad is that uh, it's not Mitch Marsh. Mitch Marsh has slipped down the pecking order now. He's, he's below Stoinis. So you know, he's going to have to pull something out to get to England this year. It looks like you know, Stoinis is ahead of him if they're look, looking to take an all-rounder to England. I'm of the school, really, that you know, if you don't have an all-rounder, don't pick one. I'm not 100% convinced that Steinus is ready for test cricket, but uh, he's a better option than Mitch at this stage. Yeah, I think Steinus is un- in an unfortunate situation where he misses a lot of first-class cricket because of his white ball stuff for Australia. So you kind of have to give it, pick him on a hunch of how he might go. And if you give him a go at test cricket, maybe he suits. I mean, we saw him come into the one-day side and immediately look like an international one-day player. So maybe he could do the same. But, yeah, I just wonder what they're going to do with him. And uh, with Mitch Marsh, yeah, I think he needs a bit of time at first-class level now because he had such a poor year after showing maybe he turned the corner. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I, I, it wouldn't do Uzi any harm to leave him out of the one-day tour to India so that he gets to play the back end of the Sheffield Shield season against the Duke Balls. He needs to kick-start his game a little bit. Yeah, I guess uh, my fear is with Stoinis in the squad that the selectors would either drop Burns or Patterson uh, to make room for him, which I just think if you pick them for a match, you can't drop them one innings later on a sort of a, a hunch or a change of heart. So, yeah, I hope Stoinis is in the squad maybe as a precursor to the Ashes. Yeah, I, I, I suspect you're right. It's, uh, it's pretty hard to work out what the selectors are thinking, isn't it, I reckon? It's always been hard, but it's been really hard this summer, I must say. Yeah, well, um, their days are numbered, Pete. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, I can see the writing on the wall. Um, all right, so, um, Pete, Thank you so much for your time on the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Enjoy your afternoon, and uh, I'll see you in Canberra. I'm heading to the, the nation's capital to for the test match, so I'll see you All there. right, we might be, we'll be able to do a podcast in situ. Thanks, mate. I'm off to the hardware store. I'll see you later. Great stuff, as always, there from Pete Lawler from The Australian. You can keep up with all his work at theaustralian.com.au. All right, coming up in a moment, a full wrap of the Women's Big Bash League final with Fiona Bolland from the Daily Telegraph. But before that, I just want to ask you, if you have a moment, please go on to whatever app you listen to the podcast on and rate and review the podcast. Or if you don't want to do that, uh, why don't you go on to social media and share the podcast there. So uh, if you've got any cricket-loving friends, they can um, find out about Cricket Unfiltered. Uh, thank you to Stephen Vag for writing a review of the podcast on The Raw uh, last week. It's much appreciated. Okay, coming up after the break, I'll be at Dremoyne Over with Fiona Bolin from The Daily Telegraph. Caps had a wonderful season. Can she finish it off? Cross seam delivery. And cross seam to Harris, who needs four for victory. Does she get enough of that? It's in the gap. Can it be stopped? No! Brisbane Heat! Brisbane! 
Brisbane Heat will win their first title. It goes for four. Dremoyne's in shock. And Brisbane are up in arms. They're loving it. And here comes the team. They've won the title. Hello listeners, well I'm sitting at Dremoyne Oval looking over a picturesque scene as the Brisbane Heat have just won the fourth Women's Big Bash League tournament. I'm here with Fiona Bolan, a sports writer for the Daily Telegraph. Well it's just overall, what a day. It, it was an incredible day, it was another maybe don't say wonderful game of cricket it was dour at probably at points but it, it went down to the final over which is what anyone wants a contest and uh, the fans were certainly thrilled to the end probably not the result for the bulk of the people here with the sixes going down but he played a marvelous game of cricket yeah, they did play a great game, great tournament. We saw five, almost 5,400 fans come to this game, plus you know another three or 400 sort of locked out and watching from over the fence. As someone that's been writing about women's sport for a long time, something like this must be quite um, uplifting for you. It, it's a real... Yeah, warming thing to see. Um, it, it hasn't been a, a long road, I suppose, in since the investments happened. Things have happened quite quickly. Um, we're now seeing with broadcast that people want to come because they know it's on. That's been the biggest thing. It, it's getting media and coverage to catch up, and it's still got a way to go, but it's certainly getting there. And the fans turned out today. They were lined up from 8.30 this morning, gates opened at 9.30, people were still trying to get tickets, walking up, and some of them were locked out as we saw people in trees trying to watch over the fence, you know, it's real old school cricket stuff. Yeah, absolutely, so um, the Sydney Sixers came in uh, looking for their third title in a row, Uh, they won the toss and elected to bat, and ended up making seven for 131, and I, I really thought the Sydney Sixers got stuck early and weren't able to get off to the fast start they probably needed in hindsight they did uh they did get a bit stuck there Alyssa Healy went uh quite early for 18 and she she was going along quite nicely if she'd managed to stay in I think they could have done a lot a lot better and Elise Perry really struggled to find a rhythm she mentioned um not being able to find the gaps and to to get it over the top to the boundary um it's a slow outfield here at Dremoyne and that really showed the Sixers were having trouble and they were just moving along at that run a ball kind of pace which wasn't enough. Yeah, um, you spoke of Elise Perry, she made 33 off 37 balls and there was a real sense of disappointment in her own performance I think after this game and uh, you know we saw at the end Dane Van Nakirk smash 32 off 15 balls to, to give Sydney Sixers a hope but I think Perry will look back with some disappointment about her performance. A 33 for a lot of players they'd be very very happy with that but for Elise Perry especially on the season she's had she took out the player of the tournament at the end rightfully so it's been a phenomenal season for her but she's been able to lead this side to victory many many times. She hates losing. She hates losing and we saw that um, and it didn't come off for her today. Darnay Van Niekirk like you said an, an excellent cameo there at the end and she was the the player to give them a chance at winning this final um, but the Heat they bowled fantastically and then Beth Mooney's really brave innings there suffering in the heat it it was incredible to watch someone push through that yeah um, just on the heat bowling performance Grace Harris took three for 23 and went for under a runner ball clearly the pick of the heat bowlers and you know I spoke to her after 
the first game the Sixers and the Heat played in this tournament. And Grace is such a down-to-earth character. Uh, and do, I don't think she was scared by the Sixers. And I think her attitude sort of filtered through to the whole Brisbane Heat team. And she missed out with the bat. But, yeah, great performance with the ball with an injury. She's a, a bit of an all-or-nothing player, I think. She goes out there. She gives it what she can. And if it doesn't come off, she doesn't get down by it. Um, and it didn't come off with the bat, but she had an injury. Uh, and luckily, Beth Mooney was able to pick it up from there anyway. Um, but yeah, a fantastic player to have in the team, I think. And, and what we've seen from the Heat is is a real camaraderie among them to get there. Yeah, that down-to-earth, laid-back Queensland a- attitude. Um, they really do reflect the state they play for. Now, uh, just on the chase, at one stage, the Heat were 2 for 14, and then we saw Kirby Shaw partner with Beth Mooney, and they were the two that really were able to take the game away from the Sixers. And you spoke about Beth Mooney's battles. Well, uh, we found out afterwards she wanted to. She was looking for a spot to puke on the ground. So incredibly gutsy effort from uh, Mooney and in partnership with Short. Absolutely. When we look at it now, you say uh, the, the Heat had control of the game and they were kind of dictating the play, but it really did swing back and forth at points. So I don't think I could start writing a match report until it, at the end of the 19th over in the second innings because it was really right down to the end. Um, but Elise Perry gave credit to Beth Mooney too and said she really took the game away from them and they they were struggling to catch up after that and they weren't able to despite some late wickets there that that was a glimmer of hope but I think we would have liked to have seen a puke on the field. (laughs) Yeah there was no sixes miracle um Short and uh, Beth Mooney put on 84 and then we saw three wickets go very quickly and then two more right at the end. I thought um, the pick of the bowlers for the Sixers was probably Aaron Burns, two for 25 off four overs. Um, Marizana Cap also bowled excellently, went for under runner ball. They fought right to the end to the Sixers but I just think they were probably 10, 15 runs short. Yeah, they were just, they needed a few more runs out there today. We saw last week the 140 mark uh, was where it every team got and and it seems like that's the mark for this ground so they were a little bit off the pace um, and and it was too hard for them and they've acknowledged that but four finals in four years what a team like that you can still talk about a dynasty they've won half the titles and I'm pretty sure they'll be back up the top next season too. And uh, look good for the competition that uh, a team outside New South Wales won the WBBL the Thunder won the first one then the Sixers the next two so good for the competition to have a champion from somewhere else. That's right. We've seen Perth in the final the last couple of years, but they weren't able to get there. And as they say, you don't remember second place. So for the trophy to get out of New South Wales, overall, when you even go beyond the WBBL, it's great for women's cricket. Uh, New South Wales has dominated for a very long time, but the the professionalism that's come in is really closing the gap between the states now. and, And we'll see a lot more competition, hopefully a lot more great talent being developed and coming through. Well, I agree with you, Fiona, and thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Pleasure. All right, so that was our wrap of the Women's Big Bash League final. Now, coming up after the game, I went on and uh, was with all the press packs recording the interviews with uh, the players after the game. So uh, you're going to hear a montage of interviews. There's also questions from me, Fiona Bolin, Steve Zemek from AAP, Georgina Robinson, 
and Melinda Farrell. So you'll hear all these interviews from after the game. Coming up, you've got Kirby Short, uh, the Brisbane Heat winning captain. Then Beth Mooney, uh, the Brisbane Heat's player of the match. And then uh, after that, the Sydney Sixers losing captain Elise Perry. Sydney Sixers uh, wicketkeeper Elisa Healy. So, so that's coming up now. Kirby Short, Beth Mooney, Elise Perry and Elisa Healy. feelings came over you and the other girls when you won? It's incredible I've you know you watch AFL Grand Finals and you see people interviewed straight after the game and they talk about feeling numb or um, not being really sure what to say and I'm I'm a person of words and I said to Beth in the change room before that I'm actually not sure I have any at that moment I needed a couple of minutes just to compose myself because it's it really is a feeling of so much happening around you um, but not feeling completely sure of what actually just happened and I think it's also one of those things, you sit as a team tonight and you reflect about those moments and what happened and how many runs did we need and all of those things, but in the actual moment itself, it's just this overwhelming sensation of, oh my goodness, what actually just happened? <laughs> I get quite um, courageous, Beth's innings with the bat, but also Grace, um, you know, under an injury cloud and, and took three wickets, like, was grateful for yeah, definitely, and that's what we've been about all year. I know that I've sort of banged on about it, but it's it's because it's the truth. Um, we've relied on different people at different times. Um, Beth struggled early in the season and then found some really great form towards the back end. She's a competitor and a class player, so she was always going to stand up today. Um, and I think credit to Grace because she hasn't had the injury thing be a factor all year for her. Um, and I think today was her first real scrap in terms of trying to mentally park that and actually get on with doing her job and she did do a wonderful job for us with the ball today so that was really impressive. At what point did you realise Beth was in trouble? What were you saying to her out there? Yeah, we're pretty good mates so um, it's one of those you sort of know how harsh or how how kind to be depending on the situation. We were getting chirped a little bit so it was more warm fuzzies from me than um, anything else because we're getting a bit of heat from (laughs) all the other people. Um, So I think it was more about sort of compelling her in relation to her competitive spirit that you know we just keep being smart and keep each other on track because it was pretty warm today. How close was she to having a puke out there? Very. Yeah. Um, we, were tr- we were actually looking at you know where where the best spot was to go so that's when the physio came out we went for the anti-nausea drugs because we we're a bit concerned about what situation we we're going to find ourselves in. Could have got a bit messy. <laughs> And was it a glove or a helmet? What was the best spot? I felt like if we just went to some sort of fielding position of someone that was key, that was gonna, <laughs> that was going to be the play. So you know, probably cover mid wicket, one of the drives, like just scoot to one of those areas and make it a little bit nasty to to launch yourself on the ground. I reckon that was yeah, strategy, always strategy. Was it just the heat affecting it, or was it food poisoning or something else too? No, just the heat. She uh, Victorian born doesn't always cope particularly well with the heat, so. And it was it was a pretty tough day. Is it true that like she's when you do sweat testing and that sort of stuff back at the centre of like she's a big sweater and doesn't uh, handle the heat uh, too well? I heard someone say that on the commentary. Um, I'm not sure about that. She's she's not a fan of the heat. That's for sure. She always she likes to play um, when the temperature's a little lower. But to be fair, who doesn't? Um, we actually have a few bulk sweaters in our team, to be honest. Um, Grace Harris is another candidate, her sister Laura as well. Um, Sammy Joe. I literally have the towel with me for Sammy Joe. That's actually all I have a fielding towel for. So we've got a couple of people who, despite living in Queensland, have a little bit of a situation with the heat. Kirby, what does uh, Brisbane's win mean for the WBBL in, in opening it up? Yeah, I think it's it's a good day. We talked about a couple of days ago, you know, taking the trophy out of Sydney, and it, it's less about, you know, the hoodoo around that and more about the fact that 
there are lots of teams competing really well. I think it's really healthy for a competition when you can actually have multiple franchises winning the competition because it means that there's a lot of quality in a lot of places. Um, and I also think that the way that we've played our cricket, I suppose it's, it's a positive thing and an endorsement for how we've gone about that. So really pleased that we're the first team to be able to do that and get it out of Sydney, but I'm sure that it will find its way around the country in due course. And just a, well, how do you feel about your team as well? The fact that you haven't necessarily had the biggest name stars in the Australian sort of arena, but that they were still able to do this. Yeah, I think that maybe is what got us through a few rounds of potentially being underestimated. I think we didn't have the big names and that's probably something that there's a lot of unknown about a team. And when you play teams twice, it's probably a little bit different. But when you play them close together, there's a lot of things that potentially other franchises weren't quite sure how we were going to go about our cricket and what we were going to do. And potentially that was a bit of an advantage. Um, whereas I think a lot of the big names in the competition, there's a lot of footage to watch. There's a lot of patterns in terms of what they do as cricketers and that probably helps to plan. It always comes down to execution, but we were fortunate that we had yeah, 11, well, 13 players that toured for most of the tournament get the job done. How are you feeling? <laughs> Is that the first question? Yes. Cabal yes. Um yep. I'm better now. I sat down, I plonked myself in the ice bath and probably a bit nervous towards the end. I couldn't really watch. But yeah, I think there's pretty oppressive conditions out there and I haven't been that well the last couple of weeks, but um, I had a job to do and you kind of have to put it at the back of your mind when you're out there. What, what do you mean you haven't been very well? I've had a bit of a flu the last couple of weeks leading into the semi. I, I of course got sick when we had a day off I've been a bit we played a lot of cricket traveling around the place a lot and it's probably just a bit run down and it finally caught up with me at the wrong time but um, I've been fortunate enough that I've had some quality people in our support staff looking after me and, and I've been able to get over the line so quite a mental effort out there for you what was going through your head when you're out in the middle yeah obviously I was pretty hot and um, pretty cooked and the outfield wasn't conducive to hitting lots of boundaries which wasn't ideal but you know even when the run rate got up to sort of 7.9 I thought you know what uh, really good cricket shots are going to win this game and at one point I said to Kirby the two best people in the team that can do that are out here right now so um, just the the calm that she brings to the group and and to sort of help with my batting and and what I bring to her batting sort of we complement each other really nicely and um, you know, the whole way through we were talking about getting that run rate down as, as quickly as we could and um, that sort of took my mind off how I was feeling. Um, but I knew I was going to have to run twos and we managed to sneak a few back towards the end there without my legs giving way, so um, that was that was handy as well. Kirby said that there was some stuff. sledging as well or a bit of chirping. Sorry, it was her word. I don't want to oversell it. But, um, oh, the media love to oversell things, so I won't mind talking about this one. <laughs> we'll oversell you too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, obviously... The Sydney Sixers have played a lot of cricket and they've got lots of players who've played a lot of cricket as well. Um, Alyssa Healy and, and Elise Perry being two of those players. They've played some outstanding cricket throughout the season, but I think um, <clears throat> the nature of knowing knowing who you're up against, I kind of knew that when I was getting chat thrown at me that we were on top. And um, the beauty of this game is once, once they're doing that and worrying about what we're doing, um, we've already beaten them. It was kind of nice to know that, you know, whilst I wasn't feeling well, it was doing enough to piss them off and... They were getting a bit frustrated at, at how, how long I was taking to face up. And uh, as I said, I've played enough cricket against them to know what gets under their skin and, and when we've won, and, and we definitely won that battle. You sound really satisfied by <laughs> just it all overall. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of stuff flying around about our, our list not being the strongest and maybe not having the, the international star power of the Sixers and the Thunder and whoever else we've come up against. And, 
you know, even at the start of the season, I was one of the sceptical ones because we had the opportunity to sign a third international and we chose not to. And I think that's paid off beautifully. Um, just the belief that we've had in our local players and obviously the, the commitment and quality effort that's been put into their game across a number of years. This hasn't just happened this season. I've, I've played for Brisbane the whole way through and, and played for Queensland for nine years. So I've seen the evolution of these players and it's just giving me goosebumps thinking about how far they've come, like Sammy Joe, Haiti, DK even, <coughs> Burkett, all those players who, you know, that whilst they're not world-class players who are going to get you 100 or 50 or take fire for an, and not go for many, they're doing enough to win us games of cricket. And at the end of the day, T20 is just about the little things and having everyone contribute. And we've been the team that's done that the most consistently this season. So... Um, Beth, you had uh, anti-nausea drugs. Was there Ventolin as well? Like, what did you need out there to get <laughs> yeah, you Yeah, sort of a bit of everything. I, I was struggling to breathe at one point from the congestion, so the, the, the Ventolin sort of helped the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, as I said, uh, the support staff have been amazing. They've really looked after me and gone above and beyond. I, I tend not to ask for too much from them because, you know, I've got to pay for a couple of shoulder reconstructions as it is. So, yeah, Alice, Alice and Chris have, have done an amazing job keeping us on the park and, and, you know, just to get us over the line the last couple of weeks has been outstanding. What did they say to you out there? How concerned with the medical staff with you and would they at any point want to pull you at all? No, I don't think so. They, they always left the decision up to me. I think um, at one point I... I sort of wasn't sure what, what was going to be the best result for the team. I thought, you know, I can't really run any more twos, so I'm going to have to um, either retire or get out. But um, I was still hitting the ball quite nicely, so I was kind of happy to just keep going. But I think once we got the run rate right down to less than a runner ball, I think, um, you know, whilst it was against the sixes and, and we knew Cat was going to bowl that last over, it was a bit easier once once we got to there. Kirby said there was talk of maybe some strategic placing of Spoo. Is that <laughs> something you can talk us through? Oh, look, I, I, try, I kept it in, thankfully, because I don't think anyone would have appreciated that on live TV. But um, I guess I probably should have stood right where Midge stands, shouldn't I, and, and had a little chunder there, but um, see, see if she would have liked that. But, um, yeah, no, I managed to keep it in, and, and thankfully we got over the line, so it would have been a, a bit disappointing if I had got out when I didn't and we didn't quite get over the line. What were you thinking um, when you lost three wickets in six balls? Oh, yeah, I couldn't watch the last over. I sort of um, sat in the ice bath for a bit, had to ask people when they walked in what was happening and saw a couple of people come back into the sheds and uh, managed to get back out there and... You know, I think that 19th over was a really critical over for us. We needed um, 15 off two and, and we managed to get 10 off it. And, you know, whilst the last over is the most important because that's where you get the result, I think the 19th was the winner for us and, and Laura Harris and, and Delisa Kimmins did an amazing job sort of calming the nerves and getting it back to five or six. So they, they did an awesome job. And, and once we got to there, I thought, you know, we, we can't really lose this from here, but it could be a super over and we don't want that. Yeah, pretty flat. Um, uh, look, it's the way it goes. Um, we're certainly beaten by the better side today. Um, I think we just came up short with the bat, unfortunately, um, by about 15 or 20 runs. And then, look, to stay in it the way that we did right to the end there was, was superb. And I'm really glad we were able to give the crowd something to cheer about. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I can't take anything away from the way Brisbane played. I thought they bowled really well. And then 
you know, best innings coupled with the partnership she had um, were just too good for us. Well, you guys couldn't get motoring at the at the top there. What was it about the Brisbane attack that they did well today that sort of restrict you? Yeah, I think like they had really clear plans and then they executed them. So we didn't get a lot of bad balls to put away um, and we hit a lot to the field as well. Um, I think, you know, there was a number of overs there where we probably got the ones and we just like missed out on boundaries and and that kind of cost us with momentum um so instead of it going for eight or nine and over we're going for fours and fives um so yeah i mean that and then you know when we try to put the the hammer down you know myself particularly i need to take a lot of responsibility today i just yeah i couldn't i couldn't find the boundary and i couldn't you know um yeah, pick it up when I needed to. I ended up getting out. So anyway, that's the way it goes. That shield there, the, the award. What does that sort of mean to you? Even like, you know, you lost, but how do you, how do you feel about it? Uh, look, to be honest, uh, I don't want to be rude, but it doesn't mean a lot. Um, yeah, it's nice to have the acknowledgement, but at the end of the day, um, I'd much prefer to have one of those champion hats and um, and the trophy again this year because um, yeah. It, it's such a collective effort, um, you know, and I feel a deep sense of connection to everyone in our group and, um, you know, and our support staff. Like, we built this from the ground up four years ago and um, we've got used to winning, so it sucks when you don't. Um, but that's okay. I mean, it's an added challenge for us next year. At least you had a record-breaking season, though. Um, um, can, you, can you keep that in perspective, too, that you did so much all season? Um, oh, look, I think if you look at the competition across the board... There was that many records broken by individuals. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I can think of Grace Harris um, and her fastest hundred. I can think of Molly Strano taking the most wickets ever in the competition. Um, you know, I can think of the fact that it's probably the highest totals ever scored by teams consistently. Um, you know, so you know, I'm one part of that. There's just so much to be kind of, I guess, really excited about um, in terms of where the, the sport's going. So um, I'm probably more aware of that at the moment. Yes, but I meant that you singled yourself out there for what you, what you said you didn't do at the start. All season you did perform. Uh, yeah, like that's my job too. Um, you know, I'm the most experienced player in the team. Um, yeah, I'm starting to feel a little bit old, to be honest, um, in terms of, um, yeah, well, yeah, my role in this group as a leader is to you know, score as many runs as I can and, and also, you know, lead the team around the field. So that's kind of like my job I guess. Was there a point there in the second innings where you thought you might do it? I think you're always in it in a final. I think Beth probably took it away from us. Um, you know, her innings is the blueprint of what we probably needed in ours. Someone to strike it around 120 and you know be in there for a long period of time. Um, so you know when we got her out I thought we could definitely give ourselves a chance but I just felt like at that point we we're probably a little bit too far gone but having said that it was a serious fight back and um, showed a lot of character of the group and that was really pleasing. What did you make of Beth's innings given, you know, it was quite obvious how much she was struggling with the heat? Yeah, I, I made I made out that she was really hot the whole time. <laughs> um, but besides that, uh, she just played really good cricket shots. Like, uh, yeah, I've seen Beth bat for a number of years and she's incredibly good at um, finding pockets in the field, I think better than anyone else in the world at that. And she did that really well on a ground that had some shorter angles and boundaries and... You know, I think she just really led led their their chase, and as I said, I think she took it away from us. We've talked about today. How much does that yeah. set up a standalone season next year? Oh, uh, yeah. Hopefully, um, that puts us in really good stead. Look, uh, like I'm obviously bitterly disappointed that we lost today, but um, it's a bit hard not to stand here with a fraction of a smile on my face because just looking at that hill all day, the amount of people that came, um, the interest in it, the way that it was covered throughout the week and the lead up. 
the fact that I'm standing in front of a pretty big group of people right now talking about it um, just shows like how far we've come and uh, we've got some lofty goals for the T20 World Cup next year in terms of filling the SCG and um, the MCG for the semis and the finals but given the success that we've had and the platform that we've now built from this competition I'm really excited about it. Just, just where do you go from now like taking away from this year where, where does this set you for next year? Um, yeah it's funny I actually sent a text message to Benny last night our coach and I just said like win lose or draw tomorrow I feel like there's a huge amount of um, development and progress left in our group yeah and I'm probably can speak more generally about the sport like there's a lot of areas that we haven't tapped into yet whether that's from you know increased athleticism and um, you know professionalism or the fact that you know we only spend probably two weeks as a group together before this tournament starts and but that's not much of a pre-seasonal time to kind of prepare for a really important comp. So, like, there's opportunities there to take this even further. And, um, yeah, it makes me really excited about next year. Talk us through what it's like to play in front of well over 5,000 people in a standalone WBBL. Yeah, uh, really exciting. I think um, to have a home final was something that we were really... Um, fighting and working hard towards and to do that and see five and a half thousand people turn up um, something really special on a ground that I've played a lot of cricket at since I was 12 years old so it was um, extra extra special day unfortunately couldn't get over the line but um, yeah what a day for the WBBL. There's talk of um, you know want to fill the big stadiums like quite in a year's time do you think it's ready for that now after what you've seen in these semi-finals and finals? <laughs> yeah only uh, 85,000 more to go but um, yeah look I think this this standalone finals was was the the first step in, in making that happen and to see the um, see that the people of Sydney turn up at an odd time of the, of the day on a Saturday um, on Australia Day and, and and support us is 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 really good and hopefully come Australia, oh, International Women's Day next year the the MCG is just as full so uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but um, yeah, no pressure on the Australians at all. Just on that progression, I mean, obviously being played in the morning because of the, the test, with more time to set things up next year and the tournament being played earlier, you're hoping, well, yeah, what are you hoping, ideal scenario? But prime time, like, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I can't really comment on it too much. At the end of the day, it's a great TV viewership for everyone at home with this rolling straight under the test where the Aussies are on top. So I can't comment too much on it, but look, a, a prime time game under lights at, at North Sydney would have been pretty schmick and, um, but in saying that to see like you said five and a half thousand people turn up nonetheless is pretty special yeah several hundred out Outside, outside watching, outside, I can see watching, him. <laughs> watching on a screen and, yep. and watching from the stands. Like that, that shows you, you can, you can fill a you know, decent sized crowd. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was just really awesome. And to, to see them all get right into the game and, and support both sides, I think the Heat had a fair bit of support as well. And uh, get right behind us when we needed it was pretty cool. At least it seemed like you and Pez had a bit of trouble getting going in the power play. Uh, did the Heat just bowl really well? What sort of happened? Yeah, full credit to them. I think they actually bowled really well today. They executed their plan that they spoke heavily about during the week so yeah I, I think we probably didn't capitalise as much on the new mall in saying that we're, the power plays are pretty similar so um, they could probably say the same thing but um, yeah look we finished really well but we probably lacked a little bit in that middle period of our batting innings to just get us to that 140-150 total which was definitely defendable And uh, just on another note how proud of you were to see Mitch uh, bring up his 200th test wicket <laughs> Yeah very proud uh, obviously he's worked his bum off and 
uh, copped a bit of criticism this summer and, um, you know, he gets really really down on himself and really hard on himself when he's not quite flying. So great to see him get his weekend and hopefully he can um, just get some rhythm back and bowl the house down. And when he's a bit down, do you try and pick him up? <laughs> um, I can't do a lot from the, from a phone, but, um, no, it's just... Just reinforcing to him that, you know, he's got 200 test wickets and you can't take them off him, so he should be pretty proud. Thank you. Well, that's it for another edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Great win for Australia in the first test versus Sri Lanka. Congratulations to the Brisbane Heat for winning the Women's Big Bash League title. I've been your host, Andrew Menzel. You've been listening to Cricket Unfiltered and we'll be back soon with another show.